Hey, this is Toasty. Um, my real name is Noe, and this is the Basement Couch podcast hosted by Louis Maroney. And uh, I guess for this one episode, I I play the host guy, and I, I try my best. Um, we were like discussing today's on today's episode like a bunch of um, stuff surrounding the uh, protest uh, concerning George Floyd. Um, attitudes of um, Latinx families to um, anti-blackness and, and how we can have those conversations with our families. Uh, so yeah, uh, sounds pretty heavy, but also like we do, we do um, um, try to keep it like vibing. I don't know. <laughs> On the podcast joining us is Jalitza, who is a, f- a member of the Latinx community along with me and Lewis. And we talk about, uh, uh, and uh, you know, they they give their point of view over those things. And we got uh, Nirvani Williams, who is um, uh, South Asian and um, writes about the South Asian diaspora for a magazine. Uh, since the podcast um, came out, they wrote an article on how to protect your identity while protesting. And yeah, this is the Basement Couch podcast. Thank you for listening, babies. Mwah. Brother. There is no need for me to destroy you. Surrender. Surrender your world. Let us talk about it. We're Latinos, and um, we're talking about how Latinos have um, handled the, the 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 Black Lives Matter movement. Well, for one, it's really difficult to talk about with your family uh, because yes. they they, uh, they think you're overreacting. Um, you get I get the I don't know about you guys, but like I get the response all the time that um, like racism has always been a thing, and it's and and you're just one person. You're not going to change anything. That's the response I keep getting. The response is just, the one that I keep getting was that I'm going to keep driving myself sick and that I'm crazy because racism is always going to be here. I understand that racism is always going to be around, but if our generation who, I feel like there's less, not like there's less racist people, but I feel like there's more people that are actually trying to fight against it rather than how it was back in our parents' time period where people kind of just passively let it go. So that my response to me was, you're going to get sick, you're going to drive yourself crazy, and uh, you're not going to change a thing, which I find complete bullshit because I think that there's multiple people on my side that want to change it. And maybe I am driving myself sick, but for a good cause, for a good reason. That's kind of like the response I, I give back to, you know, I, it's like a lot of people are pushing for this. And I, you know, I feel like I've been on the sidelines for like way too long and I got to do something about it, you know? Um, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if I should bring this up, but there's, I'm just not, I'm going to be vague about it, but there's like certain, a certain member of my family that, um, uh, they, um, when they saw that this was becoming like a wave, right. That this, that the, that the George, that Black Lives Matter and, and George Floyd and, and and defunding police was all over the social media um you know after like being on the sidelines for a long time they muster up a nelson mandela quote 
about it's that quote about how racism isn't learned you're not born with a race being racist you learn it and so if you can learn to hate you can learn to love and that is a beautiful sentiment it's beautiful right and all this but when you ask this person to share like a link like like when you approach them like this where it's like hey like um i know money's tight you don't have to donate but um if you feel if, if you want to like do something to contribute that's helpful how about share some resources so send them the resources encourage them to share and then they, they the response is i don't have money and then it's like i literally just said that you don't have to do it you don't have to like pay you know you don't have to use any money just get the word out and so it feels it's frustrating when that happens and then like they keep sending you videos from protests and being like giving you the, sending you emojis of the fist up and then they're like not doing anything you know it's like purely a performative uh showing up but performatively you know yeah not, no, not that not that i'm like the backbone of this fucking movement you know I'm, but i'm just trying no, to No, but I can. you're right it's yeah. like you don't even have to donate money for petitions just right. sign petitions all you gotta do it takes one minute just put your name and your zip code or whatever and then you sign the petition but so many people don't want to do that even even my own friends i have some other people that i know personally that are just like yeah yeah, yeah i'll sign it they right. never do like, I, i'm I, not asking hmm. you to do much i'm not asking you to put your knee down in front of police officers just go online slap your name on sign a petition who gives a fuck what your family thinks hmm. and like uh, there's literally like a um i sent them like an instagram post that was literally like things you can do for free just to to, to support black lives matter you know it, one of them is like literally just streaming a video like with advert with your advertisements off that uh, you know they'll collect the advert money and then like distribute it amongst some like nonprofits, right and like you know that's not too hard to do right and like even then it's like they just they just don't do it, it, it i'm just like tired of people showing up but then like they're just they're, they're like just doing it for clout it feels like you know yeah like, yeah and that's a, that's a bummer to see i don't see it as much as the the opposite of that where people are actually trying to um you know share like information that's useful people are actually donating people are actually showing up for protests like that i i i'm seeing a lot more of that more than this but like it's it just sucks when it's like when you see this it just feels it's just like it's just like i don't know it's like you still don't get it like this is part of the problem <laughs> yeah it's frustrating it's very frustrating and also like um i don't know like um my cousin was like trying to talk to like trying to talk to one of his friends about um about why Latinos should 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 support the Black Lives Matter movement, and the and the only argument their friend could have to retort is just like just treat other people how you want to be treated. And sure, that's nice. That's a nice sentiment, right? Like, great. But like, um, that's not happening. <laughs> that's not. But you're reality. doing the bare minimum by saying that, and I don't I even think like I don't even think it's the bare minimum. I think it's nothing. I think it's an empty empty thing. It's an empty promise. Mm -hmm. And promise without change is manipulation. There's a very big thing. But a lot of Latinos are like that too. It's I have, like I said, Latinos on my own Facebook, on my own Instagram, who haven't posted anything about Black Lives Matter. They don't really care and stuff like that. Some of them were like, oh, but when our people were placing cages, they never protested, which is fucking bullshit because I was on Twitter and I saw a lot of people in the Black community 
you know, protesting, trying to sign petitions, advocating for immigrants to be free or to have a chance to abolish ICE and everything. So it's like, that's complete BS. Yeah, ab- abolish ICE has been a thing for a while. Uh, there's protests on the border all the time. There's protests near detention centers all the time. You know, like, like it's happening, you know? People, it's just people don't pay attention. <laughs> No, exactly. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm a little bit disappointed in a lot of my Latino friends and stuff like that, people who haven't really been vocalized or whatever, because it's like, like, who are you trying to get an approval of? It's like, what, why is it so hard for you to post something up? Like, the colorism in the Latin community is horrendous. It's disgusting. It's right. gross. And it's like, it's like, I look at my friends who don't care, who are tanner than me. And I'm like, what are you? What is your skin color? I'm like, what? The moment you open your mouth and you say a phrase in Spanish, I'm like, you don't really think people are going to look at us and be like, oh, it's like, come on, just, just do something. Like show the world something. And it's like, I'm trying to tell them, oh, you have to show social media that you're being a good person. But it's like, I know you're not doing anything at all. Like you're not donating. You're not signing anything. Like no one's asking you to really go to protest, but like, just just something just give something like we have to stick with them because a lot of black people are also a part of our of the latin community either i mean too so it's right. it's very confusing I just look at them it's just so backwards There's, there just seems to be a lot of, um, I, I, I've been talking about this with some people, like where um, <laughs> Afro-Latinos are like not, like, they're not part of the mainstream narrative, right? Like when you look at like a, or, or, and this is a problem throughout all of Latin America, all of Latin American media, right? Like you look at, um, you watch telenovelas, right? And all of the actors are like, are like, you know, like, they're not like the na- they're not like native looking people right like that look like like native indigenous like mexicans right it's 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 people that that look more like like the ideal of of european beauty right like all these like actors on telenovelas are like are like very european looking you know and and, and that and, and you see that all the time right and then like uh, when they have like a character played by an indigenous person, right? Like, do you remember La Inia Maria? Yep. Inia Maria was a comic, a comedy, <laughs> like a comic character. I have not seen it in in many years. I've not seen anything by Inia Maria in a few years. Uh, so I can't really say if it depicted indigenous um, Latinos in like a positive or negative light. But I, I do, it, there is that clear distinction where like Inia Maria is supposed to be laughed at but like you know like everybody else like in a telenovela you're supposed to swoon at you know like they're like they're like beautiful right and so mm-hmm. um there's there's that in the media um there's there was like a uh there's like a really popular like fitness influencer dash actress dash singer in mexico right now right that got like a lot of flack Cause like this movement is like not just here, right? There's like protesting happening in Mexico, right? Like, like this is like giving Afro, Afro Latinos in Mexico, Indigenous people in Mexico, like a, like a chance to also raise their voice, right? It's, it's now that they see it over here, uh, and so she's getting a lot of flack right now from those uh, camps because um, 
she was like swiping through like filters on Instagram live or something. And she, she passed by one that darkened her skin and she, her response was like, like, Oh, like I look terrible like this. And sure. It was like a minor thing, right? Like it was like a, like a split second, like bad judgment call. Right. But like, like people are like on her about this. Like they're <laughs> like, uh, she's like has she has to do like an apology on instagram live she's like having, she's getting like emotional saying that oh man like i really messed up like um you know people i i'm not i don't know if it's if if it's the if it's it, it you know people can say it's the appropriate reaction it's an overreaction or whatever but this is what's happening right that's what and that's like not yeah. something that was happening as often i think and um yeah like just like a lot of uh like like leftover wounds from colonialism i think is and there's like all, all the animals on my in my home are going off right now <laughs> birds and, and pups uh, but like yeah like um yeah like indigenous latinos and afro latinos are, are have for generations been put down right oh yeah and it's it's this is all like fallout from colonialism and i think that um I don't know, I think of like like what happened between ha the Haitians and Dominicans, right? Like, I don't know, it's just colorism and all, it's, it's just like so much. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a, a generational thing that we have to grow out of too, you know? Oh yeah, no, because as much as we'd like to po point at, you know, white people, Caucasians and be like, oh, you guys are racist. We have to look within our own community as well and be like, but we also have anti-blackness, a whole lot of anti-blackness. Like look, like literally the most, the most prominent and easiest one you can take a look at is the DR itself. Like, just look at that. Like, Haiti's right there. And there are people who are half Haitian, half Dominican. But even their Haitian half is just like, no, I'm just fully Dominican and I'm not black. But you can be so much darker than me. It's like, what does that even mean? Like, you can be the color of, like, Akon and be like, no, I'm not black. I'm just Dominican. I'm like, what does that mean? I'll never... I'll never understand that. And I have a few of my friends in the, you know, who are from DR who are trying to educate their family on like, we have African roots and it's not a bad thing. Or like we have Haitian roots. It's not a bad thing. Like it just, we're black. Like it doesn't mean anything, but their family is like refusing the entire thing. And it's, they get like the hair perms and everything. And my, both my friends, they went natural. They let their hair go natural and their family is throwing backlash at them and they don't understand why. It's it's so sad to see the refusal. I mean, it goes back to Trujillo times too and how he just opened his borders up, I think during World War II, but he only wanted white colored people to come in, like white skin. Like he opened the doors for Japan and stuff like that, but did not let anyone dark skin come into the country. And that's just really, that's just really upsetting to see that that still holds strong in that country to this day. But even Peru, like, you don't really hear a lot about the Afro-Latinos of Peru whatsoever. Um, you know, I know a few of their dances, but never really culturally saw them on the news. Or like I said, like you said, in telenovelas, they're not even a thing. If you look at any indigenous person in a telenovela, like look at Roma, for example, too. Roma is the main example of what are they? They're just placed as maids. Like, I haven't seen Roma yet. Oh, it's so good. But, but the, I hear that, uh, yeah, the main actress of, of Roma, I don't know her name, apologies. <laughs> uh, she, uh, she, she got a lot of flack uh, like when she was nominated by the, but for the Academy yes. or whatever. Like people were like, oh, like, um, 
they were just they were like you know outraged that she was that she was even nominated in the first place and it's like why <laughs> you know she put in she put in the work uh yeah, and, and then performance and then like ever since ever since then like she's like very vocal for like indigenous latinos um, in the media yeah and that's good because they're the only i mean i hope she gets a role in something else something that doesn't put her in the position of a maid or anything because like like i was about to say before in telenovelas that's all you see if you like all you saw were housekeepers maids with their braids and everything all indigenous there was never a light-skinned person and everyone else in telenovelas either like blonde hair blue eyes like um like i guess argentinians mostly kind of carry that trait from what i'm hearing i could be completely wrong but that's what my mom told me when i was growing up or they're mestizas people that are light like me and have my hair but i guess carry somewhat european features because i don't really look so native like if i had my cousin next to me and you can look at her faces she looks a little bit more native than i do so i guess we would say that i'd be like placed more on a pedestal because it's like oh you don't have those indigenous features therefore you're from a higher class which is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard growing up um but yeah there, there should be more people indigenous people placed in different roles in every movie or afro-latinos placed in different roles i don't even really see an afro-latino in novelas that's even more concerning um hmm there's definitely afro-latinos in media but it, it probably isn't it doesn't probably get as exposed as 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 it could you know i'm i have no doubt that Afro-Latinos in, in all of Latin America are making art, they're pushing, they're, they're, making, they're making films, they're making music videos, they're doing all of this. It's just that the reach isn't as large. And mm -hmm. so maybe, this, I just, I literally, I don't know, like, it's like, um, how do we get their voices amplified and how do we get like, fucking Univision to play something with an Afro-Latino in it, you know? Oh like, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and um, so um, when it comes to, I had a point I think I wanted to make about um, in El Salvador, right? Um, I was reading this thing where like, um, like um, Afro, like the like the the or the, you know like in El Salvador we had native El Salvadorians, and then we had um, Afro Latino Salvador Salvadorians because um, what happened was when um, uh, they were building um, uh, like the infrastructure in El Salvador, right? During, uh, during the slave trade, they brought over like, like you know, like black people from, from, from their home countries to, to build the slave labor, the infrastructure of El Salvador. So then like, you know, people intermingled and that's how we have, we have Afro-Latinos in El Salvador. But like, yeah, like it, it, it's, it runs deep, you know, like, like, like there have been black salvies for so long they fought alongside of the um of the natives against oppression right when like when like the colonialists were coming after them and then like we still have people being <laughs> shitty about race in el salvador like all the time yeah it's yeah. an upsetting thing and it's uh you gotta break the generational curse i mean it lives within our own parents, our grandparents, aunts and uncles, probably even some cousins that are out in our countries that are also anti-Black. And it's pretty much up to us and I guess the younger generation to just teach them that it doesn't really matter what your skin color is as long as you're a decent human being. Who cares how you look? Like, something that's really upsetting that I encountered in my last visit to El Salvador is that whenever I'd, I'd, I'd listen to hip hop, right, 
they didn't call it hip hop. That's not the that's not what they the word they used oh, for it. No. You know what they used for it, right? Have you heard it too? They, well, you go first. <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> I just can't say it. It's, I mean, I guess the the most I don't even know if it's appropriate, but my mom, whenever I would listen to like rap music too, she'd just be like, "Ay, esa música de negros," and I'm like, "It's hip hop." <laughs> Yeah, my mom would also like be like, like, no, when, why, when did you listen to like, when did you start listening to music like this? You know, they'd be like, incredible. They'd be like, like, like stunted. Like, they'd be like, what? what? They'd be stunned. You know, they'd be like, why are you listening to this? You know, like, and then like yeah. it'd be funny because, I, because she was like, I thought you were into rock music. Rock music's wholesome, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, no, that that I mean, they don't even like they don't like that I listen to metal too or any rock right, and stuff. Right. Like that. And I was like, well, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. without black people, there really wouldn't be jazz and blues and rock in the first place. I was like, just just letting you know about that. But like, uh-huh. we even come, we come from a culture too that they our own parents danced to salsa and mamba and cumbia and everything and merengue and like, where do those beats come from? Like, it wasn't the Spaniards, I'll say that much. Right, exactly, exactly. So it's, it's confusing. I don't know, man, like, Motley Crue. I, I know, like, hair metal. All Hair metal is just the most hedonistic kind of music that's ever, ever existed, right? But my mom, when she thinks rock music, I think she thinks of, like, soft rock. She's really into, like, Phil Collins and, like, soft Your mom rock. probably thinks about the Beatles. Yeah, like the Beatles, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's, like, it's like really sweet, but also it's, like, they do tons of songs. They had Maxwell Silver, ha- Silver Hammer. It's a song about a guy smashing a dude's face in with a hammer, right? Like, there's a lot of problematic songs in the Beatles, you know? Like, <laughs> but um, my, my case, right, is that every time, well, you know, this is not a secret. Everybody fucking knows this, right? Like, like every time, like, like, like a hip hop musician brings up like the realities that they that they live through, like, like fucking Jay Z rapping about drugs to survive, right? Like, there's a fucking problem. They're like, oh, hip hop is bad. It promotes this. I can't believe Obama invited Jay Z to the White House. He's a former drug dealer, and it's like, bruh, like, you you were listening to like like hair metal growing up, like. These guys didn't even live that shit. They're a bunch of fucking posers. <laughs> you know, like, like, um, like, um, it, you know, it's just that that whole double standard um, when it comes to like what is acceptable in music and what's not. You know, and that's that that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Or um, my boyfriend and I were having a conversation about bad brains. And how back in the day, people had no idea who they were. And then when people went to a Bad Brains concert, they were like, oh, I didn't know they were Black. It's like, well, what does it matter? You like the music. What does it matter? How, like, does, is, like, is it because Black people can't play in a punk band? They can't play metal music? I'm like, have you, like, do you know Killswitch Engage? Like, who was the first dude before, like, Jesse came around? It's like... Black people can play whatever type of music that they want to. It shouldn't be like a, oh, I didn't know. It's like white dudes aren't supposed to only just play, uh, rap, you know, rock and metal and stuff. I mean, look at Eminem. He's he's a rapper. It's like, what does it matter? Yet Eminem was like, I guess people looked at him weirdly when he was a rapper, but then he got praised more. But then when you see a black person doing anything alternative, anything other otherly different than the music box that they were placed into, it's like mind blowing. I'm like, I don't get it. It's just music. Anyone should be able to play whatever the hell they want.
more of a problem because it, it's just like they don't give credit i feel like especially i mean i'm gonna call out k-pop and all that they love to dress in black culture look like black culture but they don't appreciate it and they're still very colorist and racism like racist against them and it's like if you like black people if you love black people and their music and their culture appreciate them support them fight for them especially if you're going to take some of their culture and put it into your own music and stuff did you hear what k-pop fans did with they basically like okay for those that don't know they k-pop fans organized to take over the hashtag white lives matter and so and yes i know what you're thinking that's really fucked up but what they did with it was they tagged it white lives matter and then what they were posting is black is is, is content in support of black lives matter so if some fucking racist ding, dingbat decided to fucking like look up white lives matter they would just get flooded with like k-pop stands like like supporting the black lives matter movement and i think that's fucking great. that was great that was a <laughs> yeah. great move on part. yeah and like um they were like pushing i i can't I, i'm not a, a hardcore k-pop fan like or anything like that but i know people that are like adjacent there's apparently cafes right like what, is, what are the cafes fan cafes what are those well, the what i'm sorry like fan cafes or, or some kind of space it's like I, I don't know if it's an actual space or an online space but there's apparently these spaces called fan cafes right where like oh. um, we're like even there, like we were like seeing stuff for the Black Lives Matter movement in those spaces, which is like, you know, unexpected for 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 K-pop. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, now here's the part where Navani Williams swaps on in. Not gonna want to miss this one, guys. It's gonna be a good one. Okay, so me and Julissa got to talk about uh, uh, Latino families and how they're dealing with the, the talk about race, right? And the talk about Black Lives Matter. And we kind of like covered several platitudes where it's like, yeah like colorism exists in our culture and like we can't just like passively be a part of this but a lot of people are still being passive and a lot of people are showing up but it's performative um so we we got into a lot of platitudes like that we talked about how how um um, even like k-pop fans are like are like becoming part of the movement and like um so um i guess like i guess like what's that conversation been like in your household what's it what's it been like to have to be uh bring up to people from a different generation or even your current generation that this is like a thing that um that you're passionate about that you're passionate about supporting yeah no that's i well i live in an indo-caribbean household i'm guyanese i'm guyanese indian and um my i live in a household um of two generation of uh indo-caribbean women um I live with my mom and my grandma, and uh, thankfully, you know, the two of them are quite liberal and are very understanding of, of how passionate I am um, in making sure that people understand the history of what the police was in this country, um, what it was created to do, and the racism behind that system, and how that kind of uh, 
perpetuated slavery in a way, the the incarceration system, which which is what Ms. Michelle Alexander argues in her in her book, The New Jim Crow, which is really good. People should read it. Um, and uh, so the the conversation the, the conversations that I've been having with my mom and my grandma have been very progressive, and the phrase "abolish the police" has become a staple in our household, which I never thought would be possible, which is great. But there is a huge history of racism within the Indo-Caribbean community, um, especially in Guyana. Um, there were Afro-Guyanese people and Indo-Guyanese people. Um, and the British brought Indians over from India to Guyana, and then there were obviously indigenous um, afro Guyanese people in Guyana. Um, and the British really, um, uh, British colonizers and French colonizers um, split, created hierarchies between um, the two ethnicities um, and created this divide that never existed before their arrival which which made it which made it made um uh the racism colorism really between um indian guyanese people and black guyanese people so staunch and it, and it flows into today too like there are, it's it's very hard you can see it in in their political parties in guyana too there's like a lot of black constituents in one party and indian constituents in another and and um Hopefully, I think things will, um, uh, a lot of light would be shed on, on focusing on how the British traumatized these two groups of people and how hopefully they can uni unite and kind of like move forward in a way that doesn't repeat history. But, um, you know, that has yet to be seen. I really hope that that can happen and exist, though. That's the reality that's faced in my in my community, though. So, how did you guys get to that point where, like, um, where your family was all like, "Yeah, abolish the police"? Like, how, what were the discussions that you had to get there? Oh. Because, <laughs> like, when I when I say stuff like that, they're like my the immediate reaction is like, um. Well, not just from me, right? Like it, like in my family, I guess. When I when I talk to, like, I've talked to a few people about this, like coworkers too, right? Like, um, when you when you present them that idea, right? Like they kind of like just go at you and are like, um, yeah, but like, not all cops are bad, and like, what are we gonna do without a police force? And it's like, I don't know, like what? Um, there's even been people arguing for like, like changing the renaming the the whole defund the police thing like that was a that was right. a take i got like that was a take I, somebody actually gave me where it's like yeah like don't wow. don't call it that right and it's like call it something else and it's like mm. <laughs> yeah uh, because and like they, they, they like keep bringing up reform reform is, mm. is is the word they keep using you know and that's like um, mm. I, I think that it's interesting that that those distinctions have been made like reform and defunding like they're very they're very they're like very different ideas you know like for yeah. a while like the they're vastly it? different things what was the thing that was on instagram that was like the eight can't wait 
Eight can't wait campaign. Like, yeah. like now, like now, like people like have co-opted that to be like eight steps towards the fun. Man. I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know what the actual thing's called, right? It, it no, that from, is what it's called. It's like eight can't wait. It went from eight yeah. can't wait, and then um, who was pushing for that? I think Campaign Zero was pushing for that. Yeah. And then, and then people were like, "Yo, let's not fuck with Campaign Zero anymore because they're pushing for eight can't wait." What we really want is um is like whatever whatever the fuck the eight steps to defund <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of like what sorry i'm getting off to- off topic i i was asking like how did you guys come to that agreement um like what were the conversations like that that ended up with that agreement um well um my family watches cnn religiously <laughs> i don't know if it's the same in in both of your households it's um univision is this household you know so we watch we watch cnn religiously we're always watching the news we're listening to npr too so there's i guess you know a, yo, an interesting balance yo yo your family listens to npr yeah yeah hmm, that's that, that that's great <laughs> Because, like, whenever I have to, like, discuss something with someone, like, they never cite NPR or anything. They're just like, I heard from this coworker that this is the thing. Or right. I heard from this family member that this is the thing. And it's like, I wish, I wish that they, they would pay attention to, to the media outlets. Like, my mom was, my, my, my mom was reading, like, the New York Post the other day. Like, just like, like, and I had to go like, yo, mom, like, just, you can read that. It's like well within your rights to read that. They have the, they have the most insane headlines. Yeah. I'm just like, it's okay to read this, mom. It's fine. But just like you have to, when you consume your content, you got to consume it critically. And that's like the thing that doesn't happen. Like, you know, like, yeah. it's just like, it's not, I'm not just going to like pin this on my mom. It's like, like no. so many people like that in my family are like, like spreading misinformation, right? Mm. Because they don't, consume their media outlets critically you know yeah Yeah. okay anyway anyway, yeah cnn right cnn cnn and npr yeah no no yeah so so you know they they um uh they can see what's going on they see the injustice and they understand that it's not right um and then and i guess because they they consume a little bit more liberal news and are a little bit more open to ideas that differ from their own conservative thought of like uh you know um we still need a like a carceral system things like that because i think most families don't really quite understand that (laughs) they're understand what the world will look like without um the prison system and AOC said it best and I put this on my story the other day and she was like oh there is it's actually not that hard to imagine we actually have a system where there is no police and that's in white suburbs um a lot of middle class middle to upper class white moms um will never uh, would never want their child or their teenager, their teenage boy. And using that example is just because that's when, that's when um, most men are introduced to the um, prison system. Is when their teenagers, um, is when their their teenage boys do something bad, they get in trouble, and they will do anything for them not to go to jail. 
um, and the community kind of comes together in doing some sort of reformative justice um, steps to help to make sure that they don't face these very serious consequences. I think you're bringing up an interesting point when it comes to, to the to the privileges that you know these communities have. Yeah. Because I see a lot of what is what's going on, right, is like a lot of instances where people are bringing up like Brock Turner again yeah. and how like he only got six months and how like mm -hmm. whenever something happens yeah. and, and there were witnesses to his crime and like the focus yeah. that these people had were on what he could be. You know, they're like, oh, but he's, he's, he's such a great swimmer. He, he, he can have a great swimming career. We can't just exactly. take this away from him. Exactly. But like that, that, that same treatment is not um, warranted for a person of color. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I think my family also understands that aspect of it, too, that um, uh, there were these predominantly white men who were highlighted in the news for doing these terrible things, sexual assault and you know um they didn't they didn't face almost any prison sentence you know and while you know a black man is being killed murdered in a brutal way by the police you know um so i think that they understand that the the idea of what the police is is um that they should protect the lives of civilians and they're seeing that there's just a disproportionate amount of violence that's being distributed to just this community, the black community. Um, and so then I, I would be the one actually who would kind of go in and, and say and explain more of what racism is like in this country. And my mom didn't know that the prison system was created um, back in like the 1800s what in order to protect white people from uh freed black slaves because white people were scared that these freed slaves would come and take revenge on them and kill them and these plantation owners and that's how the prison system was created and my mom had no idea and my mom was like you're kidding and i was like i'm not like it's this is real and she and then she would tell her friends and tell people in, in the community and um, and hopefully you know that that message would be spread spread more at least um, from political science analysis that I've read, it, one of the reasons that Trump got elected in the first place is because so many middle-class white women wanted to vote him in to fix the economy, right? Uh, that was at least what I, what I read and gathered. It wasn't just, you know, poor white people in the Rust Belt states. It was also these, like, like, cohorts of middle america women who were like 
frustrated with how the economy was was going and wanted more of a like a stark stark yeah. economic change right the evil that like that is perpetuated by the trump administration administration is so obvious right and it's so in plain view that people give a shit when when obama was president people uh, people want obama back there is a obama era nostalgia trump really exposed the underlying no trump exposed an already decaying and decrepit system that had been festering under obama's administration under the bush administration it's always been there um but but now it's just highlighted and it's and the reality of the situation has been exacerbated because of trump's staunch racism and the fact that he only wants to cater to his base that he thinks are racist white people and i think that's what he's doing like right now is is that he's just trying to He's like, he just thinks that like, okay, not bringing up any of these protests, especially at that roundtable discussion that he just had, um, not really bringing up any of the protests, anything that's really going on politically, because he knows that's not the platform that, that he's running on. He's running on a, on a platform that has to cater to a very specific demographic in this country that, that are that are racists and i and i think that he fully well knows what's going on what's happening and how to unite the country but he's not going to do that because he thinks that's not going to hand him the election Excuse me. Yeah. So um, he, I, we have me and him have very different opinions. Me and his friend have very different opinions on the protesting. Uh, because um, I don't know. I I I'm like you know really into like stuff that says things like. Um, like labeling things as a protest is just a way to like frame resistance as an overreaction but he's the kind of person that's like oh like i feel like the change is going to come it's just going to take time and that like looting and 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 the and giving these people the opportunity to to shift the narrative and focus on on looting and all this shit uh like sets us back but i'm not sure if the, i don't agree with this take it's just like a take that's out there you know Like, um, I don't know, like, uh, like, like he, he's like, this person's confident the change will come. It's just like not going to come in our lifetime. You know, I think right now Mm -hmm. there's a lot of change currently happening. I would say, um, right. Cause I think because of the pandemic, the pandemic, first of all, holy shit, the giant, giant pandemic has has come upon us in the year 2020 like i really thought that we would not experience something like this um and now it's here too you know um so that crazy chaotic thing happened and now um these protests for black lives are also happening at the same time as this huge pandemic and i think that 
because a lot of people are forced to stay inside and a lot of distractions in people's lives have become, have like, have dissolved, you know, a lot of people have the, have the time and the energy to focus on racism, on the fact that we are a racist country and we've been living in a racist society for decades. And for everyone, especially white people who are dealing with, who are, who are understanding this trauma and are learning about it too. Um, and like you said, some of them are performative. It's not in the best ways. Like some of them, most of them are not dealing with any of this um, properly or in the way that they should. But they're starting to, I think, acknowledge. And I think an acknowledgement is, is at least starting the path towards becoming more self-aware of, of what's going on around them. Right. That's a thing, too, that I think um, is worth discussing, right? We're like, yeah, like people, a lot of people are making mistakes during this whole thing. I know I, I haven't been doing the best job at it. Like, you know, like um, that whole notion where you're sharing traumatizing imagery, like, um, you know, like misery porn, like, you know what I'm saying? Like people, people, people keep reposting like these hor these like painful things that are important to be aware of, but like also like, this is just the reality that like, like black people face, right? And like to have to bring that up and shove that in their face at them, back at them constantly all the time is a uh, detrimental to their mental, to their mental state, you know? Like that's, that's like an argument that I've heard, right? Where it's like, yeah, like people, like uh, being more conscious of people's feelings, you know? And like, I don't know, like, uh, I also saw this other thing that was like, you can go to like a protest every day for three months, but if you don't do the work in your personal life, it's for nothing. And, and, and like, I don't know, just, just, um, I had a friend that was like, that's been protesting a lot. That's like, um, I don't like it when people come up here and it kind of just feels like, you know, they're taking it, like, they're like just there to like, you know, post about it, you know, like they're not chanting with the rest of us. They're not, they're not bringing a sign. They're just taking up space, you know, like it's all, it's all this, all this stuff we got to like try to work, work on. There's everybody, I think. I don't know. I completely agree. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. There are, everyone's dealing with it in different ways. Right. And like this conversation that you guys are having is so important, I think, because colorism exists within communities of color. Yeah. It's not just a white versus black issue. It's not, it's not, um, these absolutes. There's so much nuance that so many people don't, don't even really care about or don't understand, you know? I think, for me personally, I gotta find a better way to talk about it. Cause like the way mm. I'm going about it is not good. Like, I'm not sure if it's good. I'm not sure if it's getting me to the point where I want to be with this person, right? Like, it's like, just like, they'll say something problematic. I'll point it out. I'll, I'll be upset about it. And they'll be like, why, why, why are you acting like this? And like, I don't know. Like, it's just like really upsetting to hear you say things like that about people, you know? And everybody, I, I brought it up before where it's like, yeah, people are like, oh, just treat others how you want to be treated, right? But then it's like, yeah, but like, you say that and you you don't do that, you know? Or like, oh, yeah, you just got to be tough. You just got, who, who, who gives a shit? You got to grow some like thick skin. It's like, right. yeah, but like nobody, it, it doesn't, it, I don't think it feels good for anybody to be talked about to, like like that in that way, you know? 
Like, you know, you could, you could put on this whole front that it's like, oh, yeah, I'm tough. I don't give a shit about what anybody has to say to me, right? But, like, isn't it fucked up that they, like, they can just, like, like, they don't even know who you are and they can just say this thing about you that's completely, like, baseless just because of, like, a yeah. stereotype? Yeah. Like... It's insane. And then there are the virtue signalers, like you were saying, who are, who, like, decide to, to write, quote-unquote, police people's speech and think that they are the the final word you know and i think the more people at least who i've come across who are virtue signalers are white people and um it's like oh excuse me (laughs) like i don't know i i just really think that um a lot of a lot of white people i think at this time really should um, close their mouths and listen and learn how to become active listeners. I think everyone should learn how to become an active listener. Understand what pe- the person who you're trying to engage in a conversation with, um, under- try to understand and empathize with their emotions. Validate their emotions and then work towards a productive solution, a productive middle ground, something like that. I don't know. That's at least what I've been trying to do. I have a quick question about something, right? Like, um, so I have, uh, there's somebody I've been, I've been in contact with that, um, that know we have a mutual friend, right. That, um, has recently gotten accepted into NYPD and, you know, like I, um, you know, I can argue like, Oh, they shouldn't do it. You know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't go into it knowing what's going on. But the other person's arguing like, oh, they should go into it because we need people that are good to be on the inside of that system. But then it's like, yeah, but like there's another person that I know that is actually trying to leave NYPD. And it's because um, what happens is like they go in there, they realize it's not what they wanted to do. Right. Which is like I, I, I've had this person say straight up to me. It's like I wanted to take on this job because I wanted to help people and every day that I've been at this job I felt I, I, I feel like I've helped no one and everybody's like jaded and like miserable and it's just like so what do we do right like there's that argument where it's like you know people want to go into this and they want to and they want to be good in this in this system right but like I don't know it's 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 just, I was talking about this the same person earlier they were like the, the same person that that was like against the the term defund and was like really focusing on the word reform you know and i understand because like they have family that are in the NYPD, you know and like they you know like having this, this person that they love right and like you know might be genuinely in there trying to do something good but like what what is the what is the conversation we have about this what do we do what do we what do we um i mean i you know i mean i think that um the fact that you're having a conversation with this person to begin with about what it means to be in the police right now is really good and i think that um most of the time when people feel like their personal preservation and whatever is being attacked they get defensive so the the immediate his immediate reaction is going to be like oh 
not about don't abolish the police reform the police right like don't do this do that um just to save his own the his own ideas of what he thinks the police is is like so um i've been trying to read more resources and how to engage with people like that in a productive way that rather than just throwing all of this information at them and history and whatever you know um which are important obviously but but it's like how do you crack into this person's this person's like like belief how do you like change these this person's belief if they're not willing to make that change or see that change because like for the most part right we find a lot of common ground right like they're outraged about all the brutality right Um, they they understand why the protesting is happening right Mm -hmm. um you know they're like they're like worried about their family member being out there um because you know like it's not easy for either side to be out there you know obviously (laughs) um like you know it's 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 really, it's a really difficult time for, for, for just like everybody involved right now, you know, and it's like, um, hmm. I don't know if, the, I don't want to like make this the focus, right, because it's like I'm, you know, in solidarity with the movement, right, but it's also like, um, how do we engage in productive discourse with people? I, I know people are like done with that, like, and that's understandable, like we've been, like, you know, it's been it's been you know decades of trying to have a productive discourse for people and it just doesn't happen i understand people are done with that you know i i feel that but like i don't know if there are instances where i can like talk where we can talk to to people and like get into some kind of common ground over what to do i'd rather have that outcome than like not than just be like oh like yeah like you're a piece of shit fuck you you know (laughs) yeah back and forth yeah (laughs) i think that's so important i I think mm -hmm. that a lot of people i I don't know it's hard it's hard too because um so many people are angry and they're angry for all of for such valid you know what i mean like the this anger comes from such a real fucking place and it's hard to tell people to please don't be intolerant please don't be intolerant of you know these people who are confused or you know like obviously not understanding the movement but i think it's so important it's it's important for us i think who aren't directly involved in the movement we none of us are black none of us can relate to that experience so i think it's really important for us to to like engage with those kinds of people so that you know like it'll help it'll help in some way because like yeah like and then there's that other narrative that other thing that's that that people are talking about like it is not our job to tell black people how to protest right you know like <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I, I just, it's, it's just like so many, like threads to kind of like pull at, you know, like this thing. Sure. Uh, yeah.
I, um, if you guys can, uh, look at the Lit Bar, it's a black-owned bookstore in the Bronx. Please okay. go check it out. Um, in there, yeah. it, it's incredible. I mean, the link in there, they have a link in their bio, um, and they break down, um, different book lists that, um, different groups of people can, um, who are, who are in different parts of the movement can, um, it can help them with like they have basically a dear white people section <laughs> and that that also has the book white fragility by robin d'angelo which is also really good they have a section for literally titled for colored people who have considered organizing when marching isn't enough that includes a, a really phenomenal autobiography on asada shakur written by asada shakur who's in who's an incredible woman she was a black panther um and and among other things so please check out the lip bar um there is oh, a resource for long islanders called black owned long island if you want to support local businesses mm -hmm. on Long island um sign petitions dude just like there's so many fucking yeah. petitions like it literally takes you like a like like ten seconds to do a petition just like fucking do please. one yeah like sign love them. like that's fine you know just do one <laughs> Um, support Antifa. No, you can't, you can't, you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a bundle for racial justice and equality. It's a video game bundle um, that all the proceeds go to uh, like bail funds and it goes to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. Uh, this one's really, if you're like, if you really need an incentive to, to, to fucking donate, um, it's um, like over 700 video games from the website uh, itch.io um not all of them are great celeste is one of them which is a fucking great game nine in the woods is one of them um fucking there's there's a lot of really solid games on here that you can get and that's not the point right but if if you if, you, if <laughs> that's not the point but like feel free to donate as much as you want to that and that's where that is going to like even like the gaming communities like is like trying to do something about this like and that's like a real sign that shit's bad <laughs> oh, I just shaded the gaming community. My bad, but like, yeah, Gamergate was a thing. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, guys. Light as a feather when I'm floating through, reading through the daily news, measuring the hurt within the golden rule. Centimeters of ether, I'm heating the speaker. Motivational teacher with words that burn people. Seeing the headlines line with discord is either genocide or the planet in uproar. Never good. The rules in paradise are never nice. The best laid plans of mice and men are never right. I'm just a vagabond with flowers for Algernon and average.